Well, praise the Lord, amen. I tell you, Gracie and Leslie's almost too much to handle in one service up in here. Let me clarify something. If I don't, I'll forget it. But the concert is Friday night. It's the right date, the 25th. But Perkins Family Reunion is Friday night at ETBU. And we have a bus that's leaving here. Take you right up to the door. And I'll promise you, you will get more than you would paying $100 to go to a Gaither concert. I guarantee you'll be blessed. Uh, so uh, uh, I hope you'll make yourself aware of that. Uh, I was thinking as Leslie was singing, talking about how blessing, countering her blessings, you know. About three weeks she's going to be married. I'm going to find out that fourth week if she's still counting her blessings or not. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> he may not be, but I don't know. <laughs> Most of us men in here married way yonder over our heads, amen? I believe he's done the same thing. Well, look if you would at Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five, and we're down to verse 33. Matthew five, verse 33. We, uh, two weeks ago, uh, thou shalt not kill, and we thought we were in good shape. By the time the service was over, we found out we were all murderers. Last week, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, we're in good shape, but by the time the service was over, uh, we found out we were all adulterers. This morning, we think about learning to talk straight. Just talk straight. Beginning in verse 33, Matthew chapter five, would you stand in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? Again, Ye have heard that it had been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by the earth, for it's his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be, yea, yea, Nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed in this music and it's just drawn us to the very gates of heaven. I pray you'll open the windows of heaven and fall fresh on this place. I pray for our preschool worship, our children's worship this morning, that God, you'd have your way in every service that's on these grounds today, that people would come to know you as their personal savior, and Lord, we would uh, be edified, equipped, and we'd leave this place saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. There was a large religious service being conducted at the Golden Gate Exposition in San Francisco. Many people quickly became aware that the guy who was preaching was eloquent and he was wonderful, uh, he just wasn't orthodox scripturally. And by the time the thing was over with, his eloquence had led them to understand that there really was no uh, use of the power of the blood of Jesus. It was just null. He's very modernistic. And uh, they relate that when this fluent oratory ended, there was a timid elderly lady 
who stood up real quietly. She waited till everybody had finished. She stood up real quietly in the choir, in the crowd, and began to sing that old hymn, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. By the time she started that second course, there was a hundred people standing up singing with her. By the time she got down to the last verse, dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Thousands in that entire exposition were standing while the eloquent preacher bowed his head. Folks, we're living in a sad world today. It's a sad world. It's an hour when not only people without the church, but people within the church, Bible-centered, no longer, blood-bought salvation, no more, old-fashioned, no more. They say things like, man doesn't need the blood in order to be saved. We live in a time when many mainline denominations have moved to proclaiming a social gospel rather than a gospel that we're saved through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. I spoke with a young man this week. I, honestly, I thought I'd never hear a preacher myself say this, but I told him, I said, if what you're saying is true of what's going on in your church, you'd be better off to stay home and watch television. That's the gospel truth. All over this society, there are people who are filling pulpits. Uh, listen to this quote here uh, from a theologian just recently. I don't think we need a theory of atonement at all. I don't think we need folks hanging on crosses and blood dripping and weird stuff. And that's what we're faced with and going to continually be faced with. Now, when we come to Matthew chapter five, we're reminded that Jesus came and said, I didn't come to abolish the law, didn't come to annihilate it, didn't come to change it, didn't come to update, didn't I? He said, I came to fulfill the law. See, the law was our schoolmaster. The law could never save anybody. The law was helpful in that while I would think I'd be pretty good, I mean, I mean, compared to some of these people down here I'm looking at, I'm pretty good, amen? But then I'd get alongside the law and the law would show me just how wretched I am. The law would show me that I was uh, unrighteous. The law would show me that I was unapproachable to God because we have a holy God with high standards. Yes, I'm a child of the king. Yes, I'm headed to heaven. Yes, I got saved. But when I got saved, I moved from a kingdom of darkness over to a kingdom of light. And there ought to be a place in my heart where the kingdom of heaven is and I ought to be striving to live a righteous, holy, pure life because I'm in the kingdom of light now and not in the kingdom of dark. Hmm. Well, we see, first of all, the promises that are here. Uh, you've heard it said that them of old time, and he's talking about the, the uh, uh, Pharisees and all, and they're, they're making things up. It's, uh, uh, in verse 33, uh, he follows the same pattern that he has in the other two instances before this week. In the Old Testament, teaching on keeping oaths is here. Uh, and he presents a summary 
Example in Leviticus 19.12, do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. And so one of the ways that we can break the third commandment, thou shalt not misuse the name of the Lord your God, is when we swear falsely by God's name. When a man makes a vow, Numbers 30 says, to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word but must do everything he said. And so the Old Testament says when you made those oaths in God's name, you're either, you're responsible to make sure that you do what you said you're going to do. But the Pharisees came along and created loopholes in that. See, we thought our own Congress was the first one to come up with all this junk. My soul has been going on since uh, the book of Matthew here. There's nothing wrong with this teaching of itself, but the problem was, just like murder and adultery, the Pharisees were reinterpreting the law so that they could find a way out. The problem wasn't with the Old Testament commands. The problem was with the Pharisees' loopholes. And I would just hasten to say probably today the real problem is not in, in the Word of God. The real problem is we've, we've uh, loopholed everything and made everything we want to do all right. We've justified it. We've got a reason why we're living in sin. You don't have a reason why you're living in sin, but I got a reason why I'm living in sin. The Pharisees were doing something similar with the Old Testament commands on keeping those. He, they said, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you made to the Lord. And they focused on that phrase, to the Lord. See, if you don't have it specifically right there, then there's a loophole. You don't have to keep an oath that you made to yourself. You don't have to keep an oath you made on your mama's grave. You don't have to do any of that. You just have to keep those to the Lord. Mm, that's loopholes. Of course, people caught on to that rather quickly. Uh, so it comes up, Jesus said, because of all of that, just don't swear at all. I mean, that's... Simple enough. Instead of going through all these loopholes and all this junk, he said in verse 34, I tell you, just do not swear at all. Now, the Old Testament allowed for oaths and it, and it commanded that you keep your oaths, but Jesus said it'd be better for you if you just didn't swear at all. You know why? Because oaths actually lessen and weaken the truth. You know, I, I stand here in this pulpit. It's habit but I do it when I'm going to tell you a story. I'll say, this is a true story. Like I have got to say that, like everything else you said has been a lie, but I'm thinking to tell you a true story right now. Huh? I mean, that's how we, we preface everything there. Uh, there's irony here. The only reason an oath exists is because lies exist. If everybody everywhere told the truth, there'd be no reason to have an oath. That's what he's saying here. Bonhoeffer wrote this, the Old Testament condemned the lie by the use of the oath, but Jesus destroys the lie by forbidding oaths altogether. The oath must go since it's a protection for the lie. So, and then I remind you also that God always knows what's going on. He's always a witness. You say, well, now did I really say that? Well, let's just ask the Lord what you said. Yeah, let's just ask the Lord what you said because he knows what you said. He, he knows exactly what's going on there. He's a witness to what you say. And so Jesus exposes some of the real life ways. 
what the Pharisees were saying was, and Jesus goes on to condemn them. He said in verse uh, 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 34, swear not at all, neither by heaven. See, they would swear, well, I'm swearing by heaven. He said, you can't swear by heaven because God, God's, God's in heaven. Heaven belongs to God. And then verse 35, nor by the earth. Well, you can't swear by the earth. That's the footstool of God. Well, no, well, then I'm going to swear by Jerusalem. Well, you can't swear by Jerusalem. That's the city of the great king. Well, then I'm going to swear by the head. No, you can't swear by the head. Now, that's probably where the King James is out of date. Because the King James says you can't turn a white hair into a black one, and there's some folk up in here. I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> it was in 1975. I was out at Lake Cherokee running a bus route on a Saturday morning for, for First Baptist Church Tatum. And we run out of steam. We went into a beauty shop out there. And there was one of the prettiest white-haired ladies I've ever seen in my life. Didn't even know who she was. She was the pastor's wife. But on Sunday, her hair was black, black, black. And I, as a kid in college, I just never seen anything like that before in my life. Now, he says you can't make one hair white or black. Now, we know you can dye it. So what does the Lord mean? Is the Bible wrote? No. What he's saying here is, is that you don't have any control over how long your life's going to live. We're going to all get older. I'll just tell you that right now. Some of you young bucks, you think you got it all. Yeah, I had that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Your mind's still telling you you can do things and then your body says, uh-uh, not today. <laughs> That's what he's saying here. He's, because God has control of our body. You can't swear by anything because God's everywhere. So Jesus was talking about the process of aging here and, and, and in these verses, he's basically saying you can't escape God. You try all you want to, he's there. You cannot remove God from the equation. That's why you read all this junk. Uh, boy, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, you read all of this information, good information, all about global warming and all of this stuff. And, but you know what? They've taken God out of the equation. Don't take God out of the equation now. Uh-uh, you can't do that. This earth was created by God and belongs to God. And I want to tell you, you can pick up all the cans you want to. When God says it's over, we're out of here. Well, I won't charge you for that. All right, well, well just don't remove God from the equation. So Jesus is saying, don't swear at all. Why? because oaths actually weaken the truth. So keep it simple. He finally just says in verse 37, let your yes be a yes and your no be a no, and that ought to be sufficient. If you need to add, <laughs> you know what? If you've got to add something to it, that means your character is not that good. Hmm? Now, I'm not talking about children now because children are gonna ask you this. You say, after we clean up the room, we're going to go get an ice cream. And their first thing, do you promise? That means probably daddy and mama's told them something before they didn't do. Do you promise? 
If you've got to add that to it, then something's wrong with your character. Jesus is saying your yes or your no ought to be sufficient. Mm. Well, we can't go any further without realizing that in the middle of all this, Satan is the father of lies. John 8, 44, when he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus said anything beyond this in the last part of verse 37, whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. He's talking about Satan being the father of lies and he's saying the best way to avoid all of this is just don't swear at all. Just don't swear at all. Now, let me hasten to get to this point because some of you say, well, then that means we can't swear on the Bible. We can't take oaths. No, public oaths is not what he's talking about here. It's not forbidden in Scripture. Uh, is it wrong to take an oath? There are certain oaths that, are, uh, that we take. Uh, it marriage vows. You know, we think it's just between a husband and a wife. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. God's standing there in the middle of that. Yeah, you're not just promising her or him. You're promising God. You take those out. Ordination, uh, church membership, uh, we, we, we don't do that anymore. I just jotted that down just to make fun of it. Uh, we don't do that anymore. The old churches did. You go back and read some of the old churches' notes. I got Damascus Baptist Church out, uh, out in the woods, out there out of Corrigan, between Corrigan and Diabol. And I love to read theirs because every month uh, so-and-so was seen walking into the liquor store. Make a motion, we throw him out of the church. He's out. I'm serious. He's out. And until he comes back and repents, he don't get back in. And you'll read it the next couple of three months and he'll repent and they'll accept him back. But that's how they did it. Woo, would you like to have a meeting like that this morning? Huh? <laughs> if you want to know what our covenant says, you need to look that up online. Get yourself in line with it. Uh, there's signed contracts and sworn testimony in court, and I don't believe Jesus is forbidding these things. Some people do think so. They refuse to take a court, uh, an oath even in court. But I think Scripture makes a distinction between public and private speech. And when it comes to Public oaths, they're not forbidden by God. Uh, Deuteronomy 10, 20, fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. Uh, Jesus took an oath in court in Matthew 26. I charge you under the oath by the living God. Tell us if you're the Christ, the son of God. Yes, it is as you said. Jesus replied. He was under oath when he did that. Paul calls God as his witness in Romans 1 and 2 Corinthians 1. In this world of lies, in this world of twisted truth, uh, public oaths are sometimes, now unless you're in Congress now, you don't have to say the truth in Congress. You can be under oath, but still say whatever you want to, and it doesn't make any difference. Nobody ever goes to jail for it. Uh, you'd be in jail the first moment, but, but that's all different up there. That's the kind of wicked, twisted world that we live in today. Let me just close this thing this morning by giving you three things that ought to speak to us. Number one is this. Be truthful in your speech. Just be truthful in your speech. 
Now, I'm talking to preachers here. That means no ministerially speaking. We've got two languages. We speak to you, but we also have a ministerial language. The normal language, there's about 550, 600 of you in here this morning. But ministerially speaking, I guarantee you there's 900. When I'm on the phone this afternoon, we'll top 1,000. He said, just, just tell the truth. No, no lying, no exaggerating, no distorting, no shading the truth. No, quit blowing things up. Quit blowing things out of proportion. Just tell the truth. What a, what a wonderful place it'd be. See, if you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about what you told later on down the road. If you don't tell the truth, then you've got to figure out what you told to who and when you told it and when it was the truth and when it wasn't the truth. So just tell the truth. Thomas Fuller wrote, if I speak what is false, I must answer for it. But if I speak truth, it'll answer for me. So let's just commit ourselves to, to telling the truth. And then secondly, be careful what you promise. I, I won't go ahead and repent of it because I repent every Friday night. I still am living in sin and watch Blue Bloods. And uh, they'll say things like, we're, we're going to find your child. Don't worry, we're going to find them. And I'm thinking, you can't promise that. You don't know that. And then I remember it's all in the script, so I guess they can promise it. But I can't promise that. I can't go in a hospital room and say, hey, everything's going to be all right. I mean, I can say it's going to be all right because if you save, whether you're here, there, or in the air, it doesn't make any difference. But I can't go into a hospital room and say, look, don't give it another thought. Don't worry about a thing. It's going to be great. Watch out what you promise. Be careful. Ecclesiastes 5 says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. It's better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Hmm. Make sure when you're making those vows and those promises that you look at the obstacles that may happen. I want to tell you something that's a little different here too. Uh, we have in building for eternity, we have what we call a commitment card. It's not a vow. It's not an oath. If you say, I want to give to make sure that building's paid for, and then you go bankrupt, listen, there's a thing on there on the bottom of that card. God changes circumstances all the time. You, you fill out one of those cards. Now, if you don't fill out that card, I'm not praying for you. But if you filled out that card that you're going to be financially helping that building be paid for, I, this is one preacher's praying you're going to hit gold. I'm praying you'll strike oil on your land. I guarantee you, God is a God of blessing. Just be careful what you promise. I always leave room for God's will. I'm reminded of that old story of the preacher that was up on the front porch of his house on a ladder painting. And this young dude came by with a calf uh, wrapped up. He had him, you know, leading him along. And the preacher said, where y'all going? He said, well, I'm going to carry my calf down here to the auction and I'm going to get the money for it and then I'm going to take off and I'm going to go on a trip. 
And the uh, preacher said, well, you, you really ought to say if the Lord wills, you're going to carry your calf. And if the Lord wills, you're going to go to the auction. And if the Lord wills, you know, he said, it ain't got nothing to do with the Lord. I bought this calf. I watered this calf. I'm the one walking with this calf. This is my calf. Ain't got nothing to do with the will of the Lord. He said, okay. About three hours later, that old boy come back all by himself, shirt all ripped to pieces, blood everywhere stained. And he, the priest said, what in the world happened to you? And he said, well, he said, that rabbit jumped out, spooked my calf. He took off, took me through about four barbed wire fences and broke the, the halter and got loose. And he said, I'm going home to try to get some help to find him if the Lord wills. I want to tell you, we, we need to remember that God's got a will and we need to be in the middle of his will. So speak the truth and then be careful what you promise and then be faithful in following through. Be faithful. Psalm 15 says, he whose walk is blameless, who speaks the truth from his heart, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, he who does these things will never be shaken. Speak the truth. Once you've given your word, be faithful and follow it. Did you say yes? Well, then do it. Then do it. Make sure you follow through. If you're saying, no, I'm not going to do this, then follow through. Let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. People of truth, people of honor, people of integrity. Every one of us falls short in this. Every one of us. Our truth-telling promises, commitments, Diedrich Bonhoeffer wrote this, the cross is God's truth about us and therefore it is the only power that can make us truthful. Only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can you find the truth, the faith, the repentance to be truthful. It's only through him. Nowhere else. You say, well, I'm going to try to do better. You can try all you want to. That's not where it's at. Detroit, Michigan, well-known evangelist, Dr. Charles Finney. He preached on a text out of 1 John 1, 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. After the service, a strange man came up to Dr. Finney and the other preachers were around there who had sponsored the revival meeting. And this strange man said, Dr. Finney, would you take a walk with me? All the preachers said, don't do it. Don't do it. He's a wicked man. Don't do it. Dr. Finney said, yeah, I'll take a walk with you. So they began to walk. And right down the street a little bit, they, they went into this uh, back room there. And the guy walked over there and he locked the door, put the key in his pocket. And he said, don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to ask you a few questions. He said, do you really believe what you preach tonight? Dr. Finney said, I certainly do. The man said, well, I want to tell you where we are. We're in the room. We're in the back room of a saloon. And he said, I'm the sole proprietor of this saloon. Mothers come in here, lay their babies on the counter, and beg me not to sell liquor to their husbands. And I turn a deaf ear to their cry. We see to it when a man leaves here that he's well under the influence of alcohol. More than one night a man leaving here had been killed. Tell me, Dr. Finney, can God forgive a man like me? 
Dr. Finney looked at him and he said, I've only got one authority, and that's the Word of God. And the Word of God says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. He said, that's not all, Dr. Finney. In another room over here, we have a gambling hall. And if a man doesn't lose all of his money on liquor, we bring him back here in the gambling hall and we've got marked cards and we make sure that we fleece him, that he doesn't have a dollar. He's going to go home to a family that needs money for clothes and food and shelter and he's going to go home broke. And he said, Dr. Finney, I'm the sole owner of that gambling hall. He said, can you tell me honestly God would forgive a man with a heart like that? Then he said, I've only got one authority. The word of God says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The man spoke again. He said, that's not all, Dr. Penny. Across the road over here, I've got a wife and a little daughter. Neither one of them has heard a kind word from me in five years. Both of them have marks on their bodies from my attacks. He said, Dr. Finney, do you really think God would forgive a man like me for that? Dr. Finney lowered his head. His eyes were filled with tears. He said, friend, you painted one of the darkest pictures I've ever gazed on, but I still just have one authority, the Word of God. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Man opened the door, unlocked it. Dr. Finney left. He never left the room until daybreak. He went through and tore all those cards up, took all that booze and poured it down the drains and walked over across the street, sat there in his living room. The little girl came in and said, Daddy, Mama said breakfast is ready. And he spoke to her in a kind way. She ran back in the room and said, Mama, Daddy spoke kind to me. Something's wrong. The mother and the little girl went back in the living room with the father. And the man beckoned them to sit down. Taking one on each knee, he explained they had a new daddy and a new husband. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I want to tell you, if you're here this morning, whether it's in your character of your talk, whether it's oaths, whether it's murder, whether it's adultery, whatever it is, I'm just here to tell you that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And you can have forgiveness. You can walk out of this place a different person than when you walked in. You can. You not only can, I'll go so far as to tell you that it's God's will you do that. It's not his will anybody perish, but all come to life. So I'm asking you this morning, I don't know how you came in here, what you've got on your plate, what your baggage is, have no idea, no idea. I just know that if you need Jesus, you've got to start at the cross. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Maybe you need a church home. You need somewhere where you can roll up your sleeves and go to work for the Lord. Man, we, we don't even roll up our sleeves. We encourage people to wear short sleeve shirts so they won't get in the way. you got a place where you can serve the Lord in this place. Maybe you just need to come to this altar. Man, I've been praying. I really am. I'm serious.
I'm praying that we can become a church again where we see these altars filled on Sunday morning. You say, preacher, I can pray where I am. I know you can. I know you can. But oh, if you would just humble yourself, what a blessing you'd be to others who are sitting here watching. What a blessing. That's what these altars are for down here. That's what they're for. Lord, you know every one of us in this place. Oh, God, ask you, Lord Jesus, to open our hearts up. Show us what we need today. I pray for those that are closest, Lord, to ruination today. I pray that you will let the Holy Spirit draw them and be saved before it's eternally too late. God, I ask you, any decisions that need to be made during this invitation time, Lord, would it be done right now? Don't let the devil have anything to do with what's going on. We're trusting you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We're so blessed. Thank you for the blood that you shed on Calvary for our sin. Now, Lord, do your work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together? Brother Aaron leads us. You come. Come on right now. I must needs go home by the way. Oh, that's the gospel truth. The cross. By the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall never get sight of the gates of light. If the way of the cross I miss, the way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. speaking to you. I'm going to ask you to come. The minute I say amen, step out and come. Father, you know every one of us in this place today. Lord, have mercy on us. God, speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus, that, that your will would be done in every life that's in this building. Lord, move right now. 
and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. As we sing, you come right now. Come on. Then I bid farewell to the way of the For my Lord says, come, and I seek my home where he waits at the open door. The way of the cross leads home. The seated just for a moment while we get all of these uh, uh, written up here. Uh, let me encourage you, don't forget tonight you're in uh, 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 life groups. Hopefully your life group is meeting. If you don't have a life group, I will be at uh, Luby's at 530 for anybody that don't have a life group. It's Dutch Treat and we'll have a great time together. Mason Creek will be there too. Uh, so if you just don't have a life group and you don't know where one is. See, Brother Case, he'll get you hooked up to one. But if your life group's not meeting, come to Luby's, and uh, I've told them to put a little more water in the stew, and so they'll have plenty tonight for that, all right? Now, on the video again, it's, it said Saturday, but it's Friday night. This Perkins family say, what is that? Let me, let me tell you what this is. It's a concert. Uh, in honor of the Kirk Perkins family, and we praise God for Brother Dale and all that, but classic praise, different soloists and all, I, I promise you, it'll be a better concert than you can go to anywhere uh, that you can drive to. I guarantee you that, because I was at the one last year, uh, and they've not asked me to sing this year, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in that, but other than that, uh, it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous time. Amen. So the bus leaves here about 545, 6-ish, and the concert starts at 7 in the Spiritual Life uh, building there, okay? Uh, but if you'll ride the bus, nice seats and everything, go right to the front door. Don't have to worry about parking or anything. So it'll help you. It's Friday night, okay? Next Sunday is homecoming. Uh, we're supposed to be, are we dressing up old-fashioned? Oh, okay, old-fashioned, uh, and uh, some of us just wear our regular clothes, but, uh, but it'll be old-fashioned Sunday, one service at 10 o'clock, no, no, no Bible studies or anything, 10 o'clock, one service, it's going to be great, you're going to love it, uh, quartets, and then we've got a big tent that'll be out there, dinner on the ground, 
Church is furnishing the meat, the rolls, and the drink. If you'll bring all the other things and bring some extra, it's going to be an old-fashioned homecoming day. It is going to be good. One service, 10 a.m., Mason Creek is going to join us, everybody together, because we're one church with two locations. So next Sunday, we're going to be one church with one location right here. All right? All right. Thank you. Uh, all right. We've got uh, uh, Angie Clark. Angie, come. come. Is that Angie? Okay, okay, I thought so. All right, who do you know best? Barbie, come on down here. That's so sweet. Angie has already been a great blessing to us. Uh, and uh, she comes this morning from a sister church wanting to be a part of Woodland Hills. If you receive her, would you say amen? Yep, amen. Thank you. And then, boy, these names, I, you know, I don't, it's not the writing, it's my reading. Uh, it's Holly. Is that right? And Zoe, Trinity, Piper, Arya, Arya. Hey, I got that right. Luna, okay. Y'all come if you would. And uh, these come uh, by statement uh, to uh, Woodland Hills. If you receive them, would you say amen? Peppers, come on down here. Steve and Kathy, what a blessing. I want you to come by and give them the right hand of Christian fellowship and welcome them to the uh, family of Woodland Hills Baptist Church. Amen. Would you stand together? Let me give you one more hint before we close. This is a non-paid, non-political advertisement. But tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock starts early voting. And Harrison County, we've got a lot at stake here with a new elementary school. We've got amendments and all that. And the church foyer is a voting precinct place. So you don't have to go anywhere except right here, come through the main door and vote back there uh, and not fight any lines or anything. They're open 8 to 5, uh, Monday through Friday and uh, different hours, but, but at least 8 to 5. So vote. I don't care how you vote. Well, I care how you vote, but... but uh, <laughs> You got to vote, amen? Every Christian needs to vote. If you need to know how to vote, see me after the service and I can, I can share that with you. Would you join hands across the aisle if you would? And then let me say one more thing. I forgot, I'm sorry. Staff appreciation. Uh, next Sunday's the last Sunday. Now, I was gonna make a tape and we just didn't get to it. Uh, what we're doing is instead of pastor appreciation, staff appreciation. We're going to take what you give and divide it equally among the full-time ministerial staff of this church. And uh, I'm not taking anything this year because you gave me a 15-year anniversary and you've blessed me. Next year, I'm going to take my part like everybody else. But this year, it'll be divided among our staff. Folks, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, hmm, well, yeah, I do. Uh, you won't find a better staff nowhere this side of heaven than what Woodland Hills Baptist Church has right here. I'm talking music, I'm talking associate, I'm talking youth, I'm talking children, I'm talking preschool. There's none that can top these. And so would you give a very worthy gift and uh, then it'll be divided between each one of these, all right? And do it by next Sunday morning so that we can get it in there and get it divided, all right? I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story.
story of Jesus and his love. Brother Darren Lair, lead us in closing prayer, please.